All right. Holy cow, James. Um, how do you feel, man? I think uh, I, need, I need I need to go to yeah, bamboozled is the <laughs> only word to describe how I feel right now. Um, yeah, I, Corey was such a great guest. Um, so humble and uh, gracious with his time as well. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed chatting with him. He's like even nicer on the yeah. pod versus and like in person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've you've obviously watched a lot of his stuff. Too. I've watched a lot of his stuff, and I don't understand a single thing usually on his YouTube. Uh, videos and whatnot, but at least on this one, I think we got a little bit of more clarity on a few different topics. Yeah, I'm into it, man. Um, yeah, I actually, I'm, I'm sure I sounded dumb, but I, I really wanted to dumb, uh, make, mm-hmm. like, really ask him to dumb things down for me. Uh, and he did that. It was great. Uh, you guys, if you want to hear from the Godfather of uh, topical authority. Yeah, you don't want to miss out on this episode. This is this might be the the most intense SEO podcast to date. So Considering he give created, it a listen. I, I didn't know he created Topical Authority. Yeah, I don't know if you can create Topical Authority, but he well, did he coined and it. I, at least he coined <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, Christopher Columbus of Topical Authority, <laughs> if, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. And we're going to shout out our sponsor today. Get me links. So I'm, I'm just going to go straight into that. this. I'm just going straight into that. Yeah, man. All right. So they're going to offer everyone listening a link report, essentially a state-of-the-art link building planning audit. <clears throat> it will find out the exact link gap versus competitors, the anchor text profiles, tiered links, the whole deal. It will tell you exactly how many links to build, what pages to build links to, how fast, what anchor text, and how to get those links at the lowest cost possible. And we have an exclusive deal for the Indexy listeners. And that is 75% discount on their link report. There's a uh, discount code in the description. So instead of it being 99 bucks, it's literally 25 bucks. And you get a free 30-minute link campaign review with their ultra-seasoned SEO team and $50 in link credits. But you only get one per person, so you can't go down there and spam it like Jackie might do. So yeah. get in there, just one profile. Use the uh, coupon code in the description, get it for 25 bucks and get $50 in link credits. That's a mad deal. Yeah, 20 bu- 25 bucks is kind of crazy. Uh, it's like, uh, I, I might even do it. I might even sign up. Just have them like <laughs> do a link audit of my site. You know, it's like a more of a why not at 25 bucks. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, the most valuable part of their um, service here is the anchor text. Because I find a lot of clients, because I have a link building agency myself, but a lot of clients, they don't even know how to pick link, like uh, the anchors. They're going so heavy nowadays and they're get, getting penalized and then they're going, what the heck? Guys, mm-hmm. guys, don't do that. Just order the $25 link report. Just stop messing around. Yeah. Get, get on that. Easy, easy. All down in the description. Yeah, all down in the description. And if you finished the ad read and didn't skip ahead, might as well just give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Yeah. And All right. subscribe. And a share. And a subscribe. And a comment. The podcast is not growing as quickly as I want. we want it to be at this point. So, guys, we, we just do it so we can keep <laughs> these things going. This is episode 21, by the way. We're in, we're like top 0.5% of all podcasters. Damn. Alive. Damn. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, we, we sure. made it, James. Yep, we made, we're it. made let's, it. Let's go. We're, made it. we're like, all right, we're guys, like new, smash the like button. Million. Yeah. Next to my first million. <laughs> We're like the my first one hundred K at this point. Um yeah. So give it a listen. Uh you won't regret it. This is a good one. What's good everyone? It's Jackie Chow. 
And this is James DeLacy. And you're listening to This Week in Digital Marketing. All right. Welcome to This Week in Digital Marketing. My name is Jack Chow. Joining with me today is James DeLacy, as well as Corey. How's it going, Corey? Uh, why don't you give yourself a intro, uh, give the audience an introduction of who you are? Of course. And thanks for having me here. It's a great pleasure. And my name is Corey Tobergiver. I am the owner and founder of Holistic SEO and Digital. And I published like more than 28 SEO case studies. I can tell that in total, they are longer than half a million words. They involve more than 60 websites. And I created a few new concepts like topical authority. And I mainly focused on the semantic SEO, but I also include the technical aspects or backlinks as well. And I believe we have seen each other in the Saigon and I uh, there yes. also try to tell that I am not against link building or the link builders. Uh, I love all of them. So we are all brothers. So I am telling it because whenever I actually publish a case study with a topical authority, uh, some of the link building agencies, they started to take a few things about me. So I just wanted to clarify everything between us. So we are good with them finally. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Did you come up with the term topical authority? Was yes. that you? Cause yes. That's amazing. I, I, yeah, because I think it's all the if, hype right now. If you check, if you check, the, if you go to the Google and search for a topical authority, and if you then check a historical change of that search engine result page, you will realize that the first SEO case study is directly coming from me. Second one is also coming from me. Then we published a podcast together with dear Matt Diggity. Then it starts to become a mainstream concept. But since in our industry, we don't have that much citation tradition or crediting uh, tradition, <laughs> I can tell that right now I am ranking like at the one, two, one of articles in the first page, the other one in the second page, Ahrefs and some others give some credits, but most of the other resources, they just try to rank there. So that's why it was a little bit chaotic at the beginning. Amazing. Um, so to give you a sense of our audience, it's a majority of them are you know, niche site builders, affiliates, um, they, they do solid revenue. A lot of them, like for yeah. example, James, James kills it in the affiliate game. But, um, yeah, I think maybe could you dumb it down? If, if I were five years old, how would you explain topical authority? Yeah, this was... I, I, I know you are the king of technical, uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I the understand your side. point. That's why actually before our interview with Matt, he also warned me and he told me that, look, mm -hmm. all these things are great, but they are really detailed. Let's keep things simple and do not get so complicated. But if we explain the concept of the topical authority, basically, it's creating a website with higher clarity, higher accuracy, so that the search engines actually can satisfy more queries in a more certain way and everything can be cheaper for them. Imagine that you are able to give always the correct answer and the most relevant answer for certain topics by connecting them to each other. Even if you don't have page rank, even if you don't have that much long uh, ranking history on the Google SERP, after a certain amount of success for users or the four clicks, you start to actually increase your overall authority and the rankability. The purpose there is actually just proving the website's overall quality with the content itself. Usually I didn't use the page rank or the backlinks or the external links for these type of things. And most of the time we try to prove the overall authority of the website by publishing more content frequently so that we can actually create a publication frequency and take the attention of the search engine for, for being crawled more and indexed faster as well. 
And whenever we are able to actually provide more organized web pages with proper internal links for just that topic, in that in a way, actually, we prove our authority overall, and we start to outrank the competitors. Okay, um, still very complicated. Uh, <laughs> let me try to unpack this a bit. I mean, I I, I understood it because I saw your presentation. I am uh, I've, to do research for this uh, podcast. I also watched several of your videos as long along with uh the one with matt diggity so i had to do a bit of preparation so i do understand what you're saying but uh <laughs> let's dumb it down a bit because you're saying the main goal of topical authority is to save money for the search engines right yes because we decrease the cost of retrieval so imagine that you are the search engine and mm -hmm. there are two ways there you can rank any website for any topic whenever they have page rank and relevance and proper information, but it will be really costly because then you will need to deal with billions of sources all the time. But instead mm. of that, you can actually differentiate all the search terms or the keywords or the queries from each other. According to the topics, you can create some topical hierarchies and borders between the queries. And you can tell that for this topic, I will just rank these sources. And it actually saves really good amount of money for them. And only during the core algorithm updates, you can just change the prioritization of these websites for ranking purposes, which means for certain topics, just three times a year, you need to run your iteration, your new algorithm. All the websites will get new scores, and then they will actually fit in to the new balance directly uh, during the core updates. And right now we are actually in the middle of another core update. And what I said, it's already been happening uh, while we are speaking mm -hmm. here. And it actually saves money in many ways because instead of checking every website for every topic or for every query, you just check certain sources first, you rank them first. Then you go to the second candidate sources for further topics or further smaller areas. So it is a kind of unification of many aspects, saving cost or decreasing cost, ranking algorithms and many other areas. This was how we actually uh, get the inspiration for the concept and the methodology, basically. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think, um, no, no, I, I, no, I definitely understand. Uh, let me dumb it down a bit. Like, let, let's uh, give an example. So I'll give an example and you tell me if I'm completely off or if I'm in the right direction. All right. Okay. Uh, one example would be um, you're, you're saying Google will determine if a site is you know, has topical authority around a certain topic. And for example, uh, can dogs eat X? Can dog dogs eat apples? Can dog dogs eat oh, yeah. you know, some sort of food? And if they deem like you answer a couple of these queries well, then they will boost the remaining amount of articles. There are, that. you are in the right direction, but there are a few more yeah. things there. Uh, first of all, you are going over a query template. So in this case, mm -hmm. Since there is a specific type of query template, the last part, the last noun in your question, it is always changing. And sometimes the animal dog can be replaced with some other sections too. In this case, you will need to determine your topic or your, its borders according to the possible changes in your question. Because you have focused on a dog diet and dog health mm -hmm. right now, which means that yes. actually the best dog diets, best dog foods 
or let's say dog caring and some other aspects or dog diseases, nutrient needs for dogs, they will need to be included in that industry too. And I have created a few case studies already in the dog mm. uh, food niche. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm able to tell it. Uh, so you're in the right direction. Uh, but just as I say, if you have a query template, it doesn't always have to be in the same topic. If you look at the wiki hub, they always talk about a different topic, but the content yeah. format and the query format is always same. <clears throat> Sometimes you can be an authority or a certain query template as well. And in terms of the machine learning, it basically tells that if this source is able to satisfy these queries, it will satisfy these ones too. We don't always need to run that iteration or yeah. that processing all the time. And they just predict it and decrease the cost. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, speaking of the core update, switching gears, um, how is it for your sites and your clients? It's really good actually for all of them, even my official website, it's actually a test website. I even decreased its rankings on purpose uh, by creating 12,000 new pages uh, for just one. That, that, <laughs> and... That's a Jackie move there. <laughs> yeah, I do stuff like that. <laughs> so my, my experiment there was actually, again, about this cost issue, because I just wanted to increase the cost of the website for search engine by creating some new pages in the form of PDFs or docs or PPTX or different extensions I have used there. And I have used duplicate content, basically the same HTML page, it became a doc, PPTX and also PDF. And I created 12,000 pages. At the beginning, it decreased the rankings and it was something that I already expected, but it, it won the core update. And right now there, are, there is like 91% of increase, even if that was uh, surprising too. And for others too, it is actually increasing. I can publish probably more case studies or the sum of the results, uh, but this time I will mm -hmm. sure write shorter uh, because after a point I'm also tired too. I am writing over two years and so I need a little break. Yeah. Uh, for your case studies, do you write completely from like zero to hundred? Do you have any editors go yeah, through it? I, have, I am writing everything. That's why it's so hard uh, because, and also sometimes I, I am updating them too after core updates by explaining why it ranked higher or which source actually came into the play or how it reacted to this. For instance, uh, there was a website and we ranked it thanks to technical SEO mainly. Uh, the funny thing is after ranking over one year, we lost all the technical SEO improvements, but we didn't lose the traffic. So at the beginning we gained it thanks to technical SEO improvements, but once we lost the improvements, traffic actually stayed. And from there, actually, we try, we try to understand the role of the historical data, because after a certain amount of time, if the source is able to prove itself, even if you lose technical SEO improvement, still it continues to rank. But if you try to rank first time, then it doesn't happen like that. If you are trying to outrank other websites for the first time, you will need to be able to way much better so that actually you can work for that ranking or ranking algorithms triggering, etc. I've got a question for you on, you mentioned about the publishing schedule at the beginning. Obviously, mm -hmm. there was a lot of arguments, what, maybe over the past year or so, publish all the content straight away now if you have a whole silo or drip it, drip feed it, basically. And you mentioned about creating a publishing schedule. What's your take on that then? I have a few methodology there. Uh, first of all, my publication frequency and the total published article count, and it is also part of topical authority because... Topical authority is the name of the overall methodology and the state and the, all this mindset. But we mm -hmm. also have a topical map which shows what we will pub be publishing first, when, and what we will be publishing 
at the last time or at, and the, mm -hmm. at, at the last part. And we actually determine all the content briefs, all the headings, all the internal links, all the tables, lists, or even every paragraph. And we determine which word will be closer to the which another word and exactly where. All the sentence structures, everything has been determined. Even the first author starts typing. So imagine that we design 400 articles like that. The next step, as you say, is about publication frequency. So there, first, if it is an existing website, I need to check how many pages you have. Because if you have 2,000 pages, and if I just publish five, it means that I just actually, uh, if, you, if you get the proportion from 1,000 to five, it's not that much because I didn't change most of the website. So from search engine's point of view, you still have the same website over 98%. When it comes to publication frequency, our purpose here is refreshing the website overall so that search engine actually can think that or mm, sense okay. there is a new website here and I need to re-evaluate it. So that's why sometimes, and most I prefer actually new, brand new domains, it's very much easier for me because they don't have any baggage. And for the first time, if you're able to publish really quality content in a brief time, it's easier for search engine to prove yourself because there is not that much uh, past punishments or link spam updates or different types of mm. spam updates. Sometimes- Is, is there, I, a, oh. no, I was just gonna say, is there can, a guideline for a new domain? Cause obviously people come like, okay, you should publish 30 articles in the first 30 days, or you should do X for X timeframe. Do you have like a guideline? Usually I publish 20 articles at suddenly and all these 20, yeah. they're like really good comprehensive long form articles. And they mm -hmm. all have their subsections and their inter interconnections as well. Then after yeah. that first 20, I start with like three articles per week. And there I don't create a pattern. Sometimes I publish all these three on Monday until next Monday, nothing happens. Sometimes I publish them like one, then I wait three days, then another two comes. So there is no pattern there, but overall in mm -hmm. one week, I continue with that frequency. And after two, three weeks, I, I start to increase the frequency further until to do like four articles or four web pages uh, a day. Another key point there is do not stop publishing like suddenly too. If your frequency increases like this, keep it like that and go like this, not suddenly, do not stop them suddenly. One more thing is uh, because of the AI content, uh, publishing articles like 500 articles a day, uh, or because of this type of website, search engines started to put a kind of uh, constraint and you can be filtered out really quickly if you publish this, uh, this level of frequency. So try to stay in the human human capacity borders, not get go with like 1000 articles a day or something like that, five, six, seven, <laughs> or sometimes even 15 uh, is good. And if you go with like 500, it's really possible that a manual penalty or algorithmic demotion, it can happen and it can risk all the effort that we already have spent. I see Jackie's yeah. having a laugh there because that's Jackie's soul. That's his number that's one exactly tactic. what happened to me. <laughs> yeah. No, because um, I, I use these AI tests to um, find uh, farm keywords. So um, it's no problem. <laughs> and then we just extract it and put it on our money sites. So uh, typically it's no problem for us. And totally but, yeah. We have done many experiments, like publishing one, 120,000 articles a day, even many things we try. 
Usually it goes like this, then they just crash the website in 45 days or 46 days. And sometimes we just create the website and redirect like 50 expired domains to that website. <laughs> and because of that velocity, <laughs> again, first it goes like this, then it goes down. Yeah. So uh, usually they catch, but sometimes they can't catch too, especially for the non-English like Brazil or Indonesia or this type of areas, they are a little bit safer for uh, our dear spammer friends. But when it comes to the English, it's better to go, I believe, with uh, regular methods a little bit more. Yeah, um, I think the the redirect might have uh, tripped <laughs> over some wires if you do that. Uh, but yeah, I think, yeah. Um, but I, uh, listening to some your past interview with uh, Matt, you mentioned that you like doing client work because you're able to write up like a beautiful case study afterwards. Um, yeah. Now that you're getting, sorry. Yeah. Um, now that you're getting tired of writing <laughs> these case studies, are you going to enter the affiliate space and come where the the money's at? <laughs> yes, affiliate and also the real estate, especially. Uh, I can tell the real estate industry is like oil, and even better than oil or the gold. So most yeah. probably, I will be going first with the real estate, and then the crypto industry niche and the casino niche, and my old days will be coming. But at the same time. Uh, <laughs> Having an agency, it also helps you to actually keep all the testing because when you have 40 projects around you and many SEOs also around you, they always explore new things, examine new things, and they also help you to learn. For instance, just today, uh, maybe you remember there is something uh, URL hijack. It was something that actually mm -hmm. they were doing like 2014, 15, but it still works a little. But my point there is, imagine that you have two different domains and you redirect one of the URLs from this domain to the here, and you move the content directly to. Our purpose here is ranking both of the domains for competitive queries at the same time. And our target there is keeping that redirection active for let's say one month. Then the, the second targeted URL, we just update the content, change the content, cancel the redirect, and upload the old version of the content to the previous website. Purpose there is rank both of the URLs because since this one already has got all the page rank and got all the historical data, it was all able to rank in the first page directly thanks to redirection. Even if you cancel the redirection, it continues to rank there. And the previous URL, it, it also starts to re-rank for the first page as well. So there are these type of things. And sometimes when you have an agency, you're able to explore all these things from all these regions, all these areas. And this was something that we do uh, in Kasunanish as URL hijack. But sometimes, uh, I don't know, you need to remember these things one more time. And uh, that's why it helps. I also have some other automated websites, by the way, thanks to AI and other types of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I can tell that uh, managing an agency is not easy. I can definitely tell. Algorithms are easier than humans. Uh, usually we are able to convince Google <laughs> very much faster and easier than convincing humans. Yes, man. Um, I totally hear what you're saying. That's why um, that's why I moved from agency while I dialed back the agency side into affiliate. Um, but now I'm back. I finally hired more people so we can take <laughs> on more pe uh, more clients. But uh, I think to speak on your URL, uh, did you call it URL hijacking? Yeah, URL. Um, I think that I think the term, I, at least for me that I remember, was like phantom links was the link uh, was the name before. Because uh, what we used to test was um, 
for example, it was a bit in my black hat days uh, when I exited the crypto site. Um, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, man. Uh, he, he got destroyed because what I did was I ranked like a crypto site very high. We, we pounded it with like PBNs, um, uh, homepage links, uh, safe links, all that. And then we pulled them. So yeah. what happened is like we removed all 1000 at the same time and then they got uh, removed from GSC, but the ranking sticks yeah. and it sticks for maybe like two years because Google still thinks it's like, it's, it's still there. And yeah. before, before the next core algorithm update comes, um, you've already like sold the, sold the asset and you're gone. Um, but we don't do that anymore, but I think that's, uh, I'm surprised it, that still works. It, you, you, yeah, it, it actually works. I can tell in our situation, we also add a few more things like canonicalization from other URLs using same design and, uh, also connecting two websites to each other, like brand product or brand sub brand. So they are also connected in, connected in different ways as well. In URL hijack, by the way, uh, it's, it might, it's actually slightly a little more different. Uh, usually we are, usually a temporary redirection has been used uh, with a 302 status. 302? Oh. For, for a while. And it is, it's a kind of a way of uh, taking the links from uh, or the rankings from the competitors actually that's why keeping 302s for a long time is really hard or sometimes dangerous too uh, mm. but these type of things still it can be done during the casino and uh, my customer era actually to, to, between 2015 and until the medic update or even sometimes after the medic update we were doing many other things and then a few people actually approached to me and they told me that it still works so in that line, like 2018 or 2017, we have spent really good amount of time, especially after the medic update to crack the algorithm again. And that's why actually I need to move, move into the Wildcat industries. So when someone comes and tell me that, look, it still works. <laughs> it's still a different feeling again. I, should I try it one more time? Uh, why I will be trying. <laughs> yeah, man, I think with, with the emergence of AI, why not try it? Because it doesn't take that much, right? Yeah. Uh, you have a team right now, right? Yeah, definitely. And Google actually has very much more harder conditions right now because uh, SEOs right now, they are like engineers. So in the before, it was like Google has the engineers. We were just marketers. Right now, we are competing from engineer to engineer. We use many tools. We understand search engines very much better. We have very much more data. And thanks to all these things, I can tell that their job is harder than us actually right now. Yeah, because they have to do all that, process all that data and so, so much garbage out there, thanks to people like me and <laughs> at, in like a cost-effective way, most most importantly, right? Because yeah. they're a business at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, let's talk about your agency. What is it called? Um, how many clients do you have? What's How big is your team? Uh, I'd love to hear about it. The agency yeah. name is Holistic SEO, and I created it around 2020. It's a new agency, actually, like just two years. And the team already exceeded 30 people. The client count is around 45. Oh. Yes, and it's actually already Crazy. big. It, it could be bigger too, but I usually hire like six people, seven people. Then in two weeks, some of them give up. So <laughs> then we just try to train them really hard so they can understand what the situation will be in the future as well. But I have a solid team, I can tell. Uh, right now, I am I'm able to trust all of them. It's a good feeling. And from every industry, every region, every language, we have different types of projects as well. 
After a point, creating case studies, that's why it is important too, because when you start a project, you give certain types of promises and the client also puts his or her own effort and the time. And then being able to uh, teach also to industry, the methods or the feedbacks from search engine and helping other people in the industry too, it's, it's really good thing, actually good feeling. It was a thing that actually that keep me in the agency field uh, for a long time, but I can tell you whenever I go to the Asia, uh, they always tell me that you should change your portfolio uh, because right now it's like 30% to 70%. And they always tell me that, okay, you should get 70 from Appalachia and other places. 30 should be coming from agency if you want to still have. So probably after a few things, especially the course launch that I will be doing very soon, uh, it will be in that direction. Yeah. Joe, yo, James, you should have seen uh, Corey's presentation on like writer requirements. I, I, I'm yeah. not surprised people quit. It's like the most intense uh, prompt I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to leave, man. It was, uh, it was really like, I, I went home and took a nap after his presentation. It was, uh, it was a lot to handle, but yeah. um, Corey, how, how's your, how's your course coming along? <clears throat> I know that's a lot of work, man. Yes, it's a lot of work, especially when you try to create a course for people from every level, because uh, sometimes I train SEOs with like over 10 years of experience or sometimes agency owners come and they want to get the training. And even sometimes they get a little bit hard time to understand the process. And then the new, new newbies, or let's say the new beginners also come and they also try to learn as well. So I'm trying to find a balance, but I can tell that this weekend I will be taking last 10 lecture recordings. So the material is ready. I'm trying to create a system that people actually can submit their results and their outputs so that I can actually add more feedbacks to them so they can also continue to learn and implement. We also created a community. Waitlist is over 7,500 7, people. It's really big uh, waitlist. They are waiting over, some of them are waiting like over uh, actually one year. I promised them I will be doing in the Q1 uh, and I can do it actually. But the thing is, uh, the, the wait list is inside the newsletter subscription and I didn't send a single email. So, which means that if I just launch it tomorrow, most of the emails will be ending up in the spam section. So, uh, since they won't be able to see the emails, I am trying to warm up the inbox uh, with certain types of methods. I guess you know it already. But that's why probably I will yeah. launch it in, uh, in April, but the materials are ready. And I can tell that at the beginning, I also want to tell it, I couldn't launch it at the beginning because if the purpose will be making money, I will launch it like one year ago and still people will buy it. But if people won't get it, what's the point of selling a course? So that's why I just wanted to wait more, write more case studies, prove the point better and faster. And I created all these free materials for them. So they can check all the web live websites, all the feedbacks, all the process, all the concepts. Then they can come to the course and only they can only see the kitchen side, the practical sections, and we can go over there. I remember that first time when I have spoken to the Matt, he wanted to see the content briefs and the kitchen side of the things. And he told me that, okay, now I believe in you. So, <laughs> because when you look at it, all the content briefs, all the that topical maps, the internal link designs, etc., they really take good amount of time to calculate, calibrate, configure. And once you are able to explain to someone else, you also feel that, okay, I'm able to take this burden outside of me. So I'm, I'm now I'm able to share. And uh, it wasn't easy in the semantics because it's, there is no a guideline. When technical SEO, when you do technical SEO, it's universal. 
It's like step by step. Mm-hmm. We can understand definitions, but when it comes to semantics, it requires to understand linguistics, large language models, or nouns, adjectives, or predicates, or all the information retrieval methods for calculating relevance. It's really complicated sometimes. That's why I created these free materials, created a community, and right now I know that they will get the course, and I can feel the relief so that uh, I can provide a value to them in the course. That's why they waited over one year. Yeah, that's crazy. You mentioned that you're not doing the course um, for the money, but I guess, I mean, it, I, I guess it's not completely for the money, but uh, do you know your pricing for the course yet? I will keep it actually approachable. I'm also thinking about the parity uh, prices because we have many friends from India, Pakistan, and Turkey as well. And the economical situation in these countries are not that much perfect. So maybe I can use a different system uh, for these countries, but I believe it will be a high ticket price. I can tell that the beta testers that came from United States, Switzerland, or different countries to Turkey, or because I trained some people in this room actually, together with me so that they can understand the process. Then they became the beta testers for my course. And uh, some of them actually suggested like $5,000 or some of them suggested mount a subscription, etc. Some of them even told me that don't publish it. Why do you publish? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, I believe I will be going with annual subscription so that I can keep it an active course. And it won't be more than 1000 to be honest per year so that I can keep everything friendly, a big community we can have. And for some other. That's cheap, man. Yeah, I can tell it's cheap, to be honest, uh, definitely. Yeah. For the amount of work that you put in, I it's think that's cheap. too cheap. Definitely it's too cheap, I can tell. But at the same time, uh, it's one Just of the ways... charity, of... man. No way. <laughs> but it's one of the ways of cha- the changing the industry. Because if you keep it cheap, it can actually be popular and can start to change how things are being done in a proper way, too. And I'm, I'm sure that after the first launch, we will have a really good amount of feedbacks. And from there, with the people that get uh, the system, we can create some other groups or other <clears> types <throat> of things as well, because some of the beta testers suggested me to create some coaching groups or support groups or further training groups. And from there, I believe uh, we can share even more. But for the initial launch, it will be going like that. And uh, I guess it it will be a kind of yes, I can tell goodness or charity to be honest. Yeah, yeah, but I think the annual subscription um, is a good idea. Um, I will say, I, like my close friend who's been on this podcast as well, who does seven figures in uh, core sales a month, he he does like upsells. So I think his lower lowest bracket is four thousand dollars flat, and then he has like a ten fifteen thousand and like thirty thousand. But at the 30,000, it would be like a mastermind group, you know, like only high level SEOs. Sometimes Uh, they also uh, charge like 15,000 for the initial fee, then the monthly fee mm -hmm. also comes for these type of things. I can do these type of things too, but I just wanted to create a big community because these type of prices won't create a big community around the course. It will be like at top, maybe 100 or 200 people at top, I can tell for this type of price, or maybe just half thousand. But my purpose there is actually reaching out more people and creating a kind of maybe a new uh, fundamentals for the future. 
And from there, hmm. I can create actually maybe smaller VIP groups with the people that demand it. And from there, I can actually share more uh, and create training and teaching groups. And there I can charge for the prices that can make me happy, to be honest. I can tell. Yeah. Do you, um, do you have like a financial goal in mind? Like just overall, because, you know, uh, happy birthday, by the way. But um, when I turned, when I first turned 30 or when I turned 30, I had like, you know, I was a bit upset because when I was young, I had like a goal net worth in mind by the time I hit 30. Um, I missed that, but not by much, but you know, it still sucks. Uh, is there something, is there like a dollar amount or like something you're trying to achieve right Probably. now? Because it says it doesn't seem like it's money. Yeah, it's actually one of the issues in my end, to be honest, I can tell, because when I was in the casino industry, we have seen really big amount of money and we even created actually a crypto exchange platform because we needed a kind of place to keep the money in because we couldn't put it into the banks. I can tell it's forbidden in Turkey. So we created many things there. Then we also lost a lot of money <laughs> during this process too. When you lost like 3000 websites a day and many casino affiliates or all these things, you start to, I don't know, it didn't become the most important thing for me. So for the course, to be honest, I don't have that much monetization uh, targets, but overall, I guess, I don't know, uh, overall, I guess from just the SEO at least 60 million or around that type of money will be good for me overall, but. Did uh, you say 60 or 16? 60. Uh, 60? What, that's but a lot. overall, it's a kind of goal for me. But in the long term, I can tell. Uh, That's but private it, jet money. I yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, let me on. Something yeah. that we can do with the agency stuff or other types of things. It requires actually creating a really big, I don't know, maybe real estate empire or really good amount of web store, web stores for certain types of products. And it requires actually going in other businesses too, because I know yeah. the people that I know from casino, they, they already own malls in Georgia or they construct studies <laughs> in Central Asia. They were SEOs. Then they just yeah. went to the other industries and they, they did other types of things. But from course sales, I didn't put a target to be honest, uh, I can tell. And from time to time, I also think that because when I actually created the concept topical authority, I can tell that many people didn't credit even. They just tried to, without even understanding, they just wanted to use the concept as much as they can use. And sometimes I bet some of the beta testers tell me that, look, don't go with this price, just go with the VIP people with higher prices and uh, do that. But at the same time, I promise many people, and I know that they're from different countries, so I will keep it cheap at the beginning, uh, but for the second tire, third tire or fourth tire, we will have different types of pricings and different types of materials together. Yeah, you're a good man, Gary. Um, <laughs> I think, there, I think you uh, mentioned something that I actually kind of want to talk about because, you know, you speak about SEOs. You'll never hit, you'll never meet an SEO who's in like the 50 million, 100 million net worth bracket. And I've been thinking about that recently because, you know, when you go to these uh, affiliate world summits or like the affiliate world, um, these like affiliate summits and all that, you, you go in and I always feel so broke next to these paid affiliates, casino, iGaming affiliates, uh, mobile gaming. iGaming Holy is cow. Another planet, another... I was partying with these guys and it's just Dude, what next the level. Is iGaming? Fill me in. It's, 
Yeah, iGaming is actually central. That's why, since I came from the casino, I can tell that actually, yeah, just in 2017, just a single client was paying actually 120,000 USD per week. So basically, they were paying nearly <laughs> half million. This is an, just the affiliate, by the way. It's not the even the DJ. Yeah, it's, it's because imagine that you lose all this money, you lose everything, all the websites, and you go to the white hat. I am coming from there. That's why actually putting yeah. a, a target with the money for me is not like uh, so easy to be honest. Because uh, when you see all these really, really big money, all these money fathers from Malta or from Central Asia or other regions, <laughs> then you, you imagine that, that feeling. <laughs> because imagine these people created a crypto exchange platform because they needed a place to keep the money in. It was the only legal yeah. way. So they, they didn't want to do that. They had to create a crypto exchange platform that people can buy literally cryptocurrencies because it was the only way of telling government that it's, this money is yeah. legal. It's so it's much liquidity money. for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I, I feel that. And that's why after the course launch or many other things, mm -hmm. it will be the direction that I will be going. And I believe SEOs, they should be investors or businessmen or women yeah. uh, rather than just being digital marketers because we are able to rank the, or we are able to create the biggest digital brands. So why shall we do it for some, someone else rather than for ourselves? Yeah. I've noticed that with SEOs, they, they need to think bigger because SEOs, they're testers and they're, as you mentioned, like a lot of engineers among us. Yeah. So maybe they're not the most business savvy, but damn it, these guys can actually kill it if they just you know, learned a bit of business. Yeah, I can tell it's even worse in Europe. If you go on an event in Europe, you will just see employees. Their mindset is just yep. employee mindset. And they even, they're also so competitive. They won't share any information. And I even don't go to the after parties in Europe because I have seen many people who are got slandered despite they were not even there, to be honest. They, you know, they, a, a female comes and tells that this person just did something to me, or, but the person is not even there, to be honest. So I even don't go to the parties in Europe when I go to an SEO event, if I don't know the event organizer, for instance. But when it comes to Asia, probably you have seen me in the party. I was drinking like more than 10 drinks. I have consumed more than five balloons and still everything is okay and fun. And everyone shares information. Everyone is friendly. And imagine the iGaming industry around Asia. They are like empire emperors and empresses yeah very much yeah, they're bigger, crazy very much bigger yeah so you mentioned um real estate so i think there's an opportunity for seos to partner with these larger real estate companies and take like a percentage definitely but the, as i say most seos they don't have business mindset and also they don't have uh, Europe is already lost, USA too. I am just talking about the a, a, the NSO that has seen at least once the Chiang Mai or Saigon or these areas. Even these areas don't have enough level of actually business uh, focus or the mindset. I am sure that most of them even don't have a proper investment in stock market or in the cryptocurrency niches or other types of areas too. Most of them don't have real estate in their lives or they don't buy or they don't sell things. For instance, in Turkey, I have partners just for buying and selling cars or land. I am I'm also in non-digital industries too already. So doing these type of things are actually a must. And right now I'm thinking about real estate because I'm in Turkey and we have some, 
I can tell that the, the, the touristic areas in Turkey is so easy to sell actually real estate areas to do uh, touristic people. So they also want to buy properties from this region. So doing these type of things, I guess it's the direction that uh, we should definitely be going actually. Yeah. Yeah. James, you got to get on that, man. I I've been telling you. Um, I will be, man. I will be. As these businesses make more money, man, I'm going to, I'm going to be in everything. I'm going to even be an yeah. iGaming man after that talk. iGaming is really <laughs> And in my situation, it, since I have some nostalgic feelings to the casino niche, it's not that much easy for me to go in back because in Istanbul, since it is illegal, we have experienced meetings. I also have seen people who go in jail or people who had to escape from country. Uh, at the end, they are all rich still, but still it's too much to experience uh, but at the same time i can tell that iGaming is the biggest niche and also generative ai won't be touching there that much so it's like it will always stay virgin uh, from ai perspective at least uh, because when you go to the chat gpt and ask that uh, how to how i can let's say uh, play roulette or if you ask a question for cbd or other types of adult related questions most of the time it rejects the answer, which means that it will be harder to actually uh, use these automations for these industries. And still you can be in these areas, even small population countries like Finland, Denmark, all these countries spent really good amount of money for gambling, even if I don't understand. Oh yeah. Um, let me just say, I've worked with a couple of Finnish casinos, uh, and, uh, they are huge. I don't. I, I, it's just surprising because, you know, they're illegal in all these places, but the search volume is so high. Yeah. Um, and honestly, uh, yeah, in the past, I just don't even know the legality. Oh, no, with what... while, in, yeah. while I was working in the casino industry, I, I wasn't, I didn't get addicted to the gambling at all. I even didn't play that much. I don't like it. But I have seen so many content writers who got addicted to the gambling. <laughs> they, they are always writing about roulette. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> all these things, then they start to open an account. I know that people that I pay, they directly put the money into the casino directly. And I was telling them, just click the link oh and then they go to the casino, please. At least make money for us too. Because they're, whenever I work, <laughs> they're losing them, it. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I am working with an author, after a few months, they are getting addicted to the playing gambling as well. So I guess after a point, it's happening. I don't know. I can't tell that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that's definitely a problem. Um, I've never heard of, I, I've never heard of any of my writers doing that though. Uh, that you might you know have to of. check on your team. <laughs> yeah. Turkish yeah. You should have a very, yeah, because in here, in, in the cafes or other areas, they always play with cards or, or different oh, yeah. types of games in, in the tradition. So it's like doing the same thing online, but they just change the habits from offline to the online for gambling. I can tell. Yeah. Speaking of uh, foreign SEO, uh, are you, I mean, I, I'm sure I know, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but uh, I've personally seen the algorithm is completely different in foreign uh, as opposed to English. Are you seeing that as well? I feel like it's so much easier in so, foreign languages. The thing is, for instance, if you go to the Canada, they use actual English language there too, but you can rank with the duplicate content way much easier than in the USA. The main thing there is data is way much less. Even if you use the same algorithm, since the data is lesser or fewer, the result or the output will be also different too. In Canada, 
in the news industry, you can actually rank with duplicate news articles directly in Google Discover and also Google News Stories or the specific carousel. So my point there is uh, the, the reactions, the feedbacks, and the decision trees are different. But the main reason for that is the data difference because 63% of the web is English already. And most of the queries and the behaviors are also coming from there, which means that since the data is so rich in the English languages or the regions, it's easier for search engines to actually create the best possible results there. But when you go to the smaller country with a different different alphabet, different language and yeah. everything, it's really hard for search engine to understand. I, I know that I was also working in the health tourism in Arabic countries. And uh, I can tell that Arabic people don't like good design websites. Whenever we change the design in a good way. Same with Asian people. Yeah. Good in, in my experience. If I understand it at least, they don't like the website. They really want old-fashioned, old websites, basically, like the two like ugly websites. Yeah, yeah, ugly websites they like. So then I can't tell that algorithm wants to rank actually bad websites. It's what the feedback that it gets. So according to feedback that it gets, it creates the classification according to that, and it ranks the websites according to that. Since the data amount is different, since the feedbacks are different, and algorithms, unfortunately, they also have to be different as well. <clears throat> Speaking about um, ranking feedback, uh, I recently had a case where, so for example, uh, the example is my brother, he's pretty big on TikTok. Um, <laughs> he wrote a recipe that went viral on TikTok, like millions of views. Uh, the recipe was corn dog recipes. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> stupid, stupid example, but anyways. Uh, before before the virality of this post, um, he was ranking maybe like on the fifth page for corn dogs, and then after the five million views, and at the end of the vi video, he would say, uh, "Just Google my name plus corn dog," and after that, he hit the front page. Do you uh, think it, zero backlinks, nothing changed yeah, before and after? The, this is actually uh, what is happening with topical authority too. Even if you don't, because links and the page rank is a signal, but it's not a direct answer. It's just a signal that tells that it should be quality. But if you have a direct search demand, if the people directly search you, and after that, if they search the other types of related terms to your industry, it means that they are directly searching for you for these topics. Then directly search engine actually starts to put you to the in front of the users. And the thing is that when we were, we were in the casino industry, the thing that is we were generating fake queries with macros. I know that I was in an office and there were like 25 different laptops and we have, we were co connecting to the, a different server and from that another server. And every time we were opening different VPNs so that we shall not be traced. And we were using macros to imitate the real users. Then we were checking the Google trends to see whether we were able to actually imitate uh, the, a real user, a real user behavior. And we were able to change the auto suggestions or all the rankings as well. Imagine that I search your name, then the James, then your name, then the James. After a point, search engine brings these queries together. And they even tell that when I search your name, they can even tell that, did you mean James? So you are changing mm -hmm. the meaning of the query. And in the same way too, uh, when people directly search for your brand, it's a direct traffic boost effect, I can tell. And this is actually what we try to do with Topical Authority too. And the same thing happens uh, with many other aspects too. That's why I always tell my clients to have a, an active YouTube channel. And whenever you get actual traffic from YouTube to the, your website, or whenever you are able to rank with your 
videos on Google too, it will be helping to you as well, because it's very much easier to prove that you're a legit business. And right now, mm -hmm. thanks to AI, I can actually create the best possible website just for the cancer treatment, but I can't treat even a single person. But if I have a YouTube channel for that, and if I just do it, and if I have all the testimonials, et cetera, it's very much easier for a search engine to trust the source after that point. So it's a little bit about proving the real expertise with real world existence. And in this case, your friend did that. Would this be a way yeah. as well with, with the Google, <laughs> The Google consensus, right? They they rank the queries what essentially what they think is right. So I've come across heaps of terms where the whole first page would be the wrong answer on a term. Would then this be a way that you would use if you wanted to rank the correct answer? You would have to go down something like this road, or or have yeah. the topical authority to show it. In a way, your question is about actually consensus. So if most of the sources, let's say they have the wrong answer and they are authoritative. Hmm. Usually I tell my authors that first give the consensus, then give the correct answer as a different angle or as a different possibility so that I can actually get the highest possible ranking booster. Whatever search engine believes in, I will still be giving an answer and I will still stay actually relevant too. So the purpose there is creating the highest end possibility for ranking, more probability. Okay, so what would be an example yeah. of, of giving the, giving the Google consensus answer and then giving the answer that you want to give. For instance, if you ask like, what is the best temperature for hunting a deer? So you ask this question, mm -hmm. let's say, first of all, if you ask such a question, the degrees, whether Celsius or Fahrenheit, it will be changing from person to person. Because as a hunter, I might not like that much hunt, uh, let's say hot weather, or the question has some implicit aspects because whether we ask the best temperature for hunter or best temperature for the deer in this case. So in this case, you will need to parse the question semantically and you will need to give the actual best temperature for the deer so that actually you can find the deer in a better way. Because if it is too cold, probably it will be some, somewhere else. If it is too hot, it will be somewhere else. But if there is a specific range, let's say between 32 to 39 Celsius, and in this case, let's say your answer tells 31 to 38, which means that actually from consensus, you have a small, small bias or small, let's say, uh, disagreement. In this case, I try to actually use certain types of sources. I directly tell that actually according to the XYZ sources, Z research, okay. P year, P study, deers actually like to be in this uh, heat because of this, this, this. Then I connect that research and the information to the hunting context. Also, I give the best possible heat or degree for hunter too. Since hunter is a human, then I give the best possible, let's say, perception uh, conditions for the heat. Once you're able to answer all these questions with all, every angle, with the proper order and possibilities, you will actually have a much more higher chance for ranking. Then would you, would you also make sure to include the text 32 to 39 degrees in that text, just so it's uh, in there? I will, but I will try to give a range and I will try to tell approximately or around because there are some <clears throat> answer annotations. Uh, if you, if a person asks for a degree or durations or different types of numeric values, usually using a range will be helping you to actually rank higher because if you directly tell 45 degree, most of the web will disagree with you in a way. And that's why if you are able to keep your range higher, 
you will be in the correct section. This is a research paper, actually, uh, corroboration of the web answers. It's even from 2007. Uh, Mindy Wu and Amalia Marion, they did this research. And most of the feature snippet-related patents or the research papers, information extraction researchers, they all cite this fundamental research. If you want, you can check it. There, for instance, they try to collect the answers for what is the best mile age for Honda Civic 2007. The thing is, even the Honda's website doesn't have a consensus. In a web page, they tell something. In another web page, they tell something else. In such a situation, the search engine tries to find the safe, safe range to give certain types of answers. The funny thing is, whenever the best ranking sources change, the truth also changes together with them because consensus changes too. That's why I'm okay. trying to actually give the, all the possibilities with certain aspects, contexts, and the sources mm, okay. that I can always stay actually relevant and responsive. It has some mm. complicated size, yes. <laughs> uh, for sure, for sure, that, that, is, that is tricky. But I know we've got a little bit of time if I know Jack, we have some more questions as well, but I've got one one more question that's always on my mind, and I think a lot of people in the space, in the niche website space and building websites also have it for maybe creating a website where you don't want to be the face of it. And the idea of authorship or personas and things like that, how important is having a author or persona on the website? Is there, do you need to do everything to fake the authorship or can you just have a website that's written by the brand? So the thing is, author doesn't always have to be a human. Most of the time, I suggest my clients and also I also do that too. Even in my website, Holistic SEO that Digital, you will see that I, actually there are two authors there. One is me. The other one is Holistic SEO Research Department. But it's not that much clear who, ha who is in this research department that much. But if you go to that author page, there we actually start to give these specific researchers, research processes, ed editorial processes as well. And the thing is, inside the Google Quality Rated Guidelines, as I said in Saigon 2, they have started to put a human effort as a, as a signal of the quality. So even if, even if AI gives better answers, if there is no human effort or involvement in that area, search engine can actually, if they get it, they can actually assume that it's not that much quality. They really want human involvement and the effort. So which means that actually if you're able to prove that there is a human in this organization or behind this website, it is very much better for you. But if you don't trust the author, if the author suddenly goes to the, your competitor, which means that they will be getting some of the authority away from you. That's why I usually try to use the department or branch, like research department. And inside that department page, I put all the authors, researchers, research studies, or the criterias for choosing the researchers. Then it helps me to actually keep the authority in my project and also show who is behind the content or the specific source as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. So then you're linking out from that page to, for example, those authors, social profiles and stuff, or their yes, research things, or is I it kept all prove, time? I will, I will prove yeah. that they really exist. And okay. in that area too, uh, for instance, even the Matt Cuts, he was telling that they were actually using Twitter profiles to understand an author's authority during the Google author text uh, era. So if they have a really active actual social media existence, if they have their own search demand, if they are already associated with certain types of topical queries as well, it's really helpful for you to actually prove that, look, we are the only maybe human organization in this business. All the others actually just use the uh, computers for answering certain things and they are just overlapping with each other. And they are not able to provide a service 
So we are able to provide the service. That part is really important because most users, they don't reflect they, what they want in the queries. Most of the time, beyond the search behavior, there is also real world behavior. And in the real world, if you need a cancer treatment, you will actually prefer mm -hmm. an actual organization rather than just a blog because you need to go to the real doctor. So in this case, if you're able to show that doctor is involved with you, it's very much easier to prove that. Look, if you interpret this query as a goal to a cancer, doc cancer doctor for checkup, then, it's, then you are able to satisfy that query intent, for instance. And the search engines, they interpret queries with all possible methodologies, then they distribute all the possibilities to these interpretations. And mainly semantics come from there because we interpret all these queries like search engines, then we create our content brief for all possibilities inside the query. Mm. You get the idea, I guess, slowly. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's, there's some argument with the, uh, the authorship. Um, but I think I generally agree with the, um, generally agree with what you're saying. I think the, I think speaking from a, an affiliate point of view, um, the, the language you use in a, like a product review has to be at this point with a human touch. So you can't just write from like a third person perspective yeah. nowadays. Um, Google can easily tell that at this point that you've like at least pretended that you've touched the product or have, have, yeah. has, have had experience with it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, right. I mean, uh, I think that's it in terms of our timing. I don't want to waste too much of your time. I'm sure you have another meeting. I think I heard some, uh, uh schedule <laughs> bells go off. Uh, where can people find you? Where do you want to be? Like you're, you're very active on Facebook, also Twitter and LinkedIn. I saw, uh, yeah. where, where do you want people to find you? They always find me in every way to be honest. I, my old email box is already full or WhatsApp everywhere. <laughs> I am getting too many messages. I can tell, but most of the time I believe they can find me directly inside the holistic SEO community. We have, we have started to launch a Facebook group and we also have a discord group, telegram group, even separated. And I will try to keep all of them active course will be actually a part of this community. So that people can also help each other. They can also change their mindsets. And whenever they want, they can reach out to me from Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook as well. And in the group, we will have other group experts, I believe, once they also continue to learn and practice. And I believe they will also be helpful to do all the people who try to make money and a living with the SEO. And I have a great respect for everyone in the industry. Yeah, it's a great group of people. Uh, that's for sure. I love the SEO community. It's uh, people who love to just test test small things out and uh make google is angry it's the my favorite part. Yeah. at the beginning i didn't have googlers but after seeing that they are okay with using suddenly automatically generated content and they even don't give citations to the websites and in not even a single google search relation team member tells that it's wrong they tell nothing about it so to be honest, link builders, they have, they are way much more honest than Googlers. And that's why I have very much more respect to the Google link builders. They all, they always tell that what they do, but I didn't see that actually Googlers tell what Google does. They always find a way to protect their company. So that's why I started to put a distance between me and them. And that's why I can tell that I love the SEO communities because they all make Googlers angry in a way. <laughs> yeah. 
make uh, Googlers and white hat SEOs angry. And, yeah, uh, I can I tell. That. That's why Europe, I am not that much fun. <laughs> I can <laughs> tell. But in Asia, we have a real free-minded SEO community. And it makes me happy. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Corey. Um, hopefully, I'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Perfect. Thank you.